Welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. Today, the great Ari Roth of Five Blocks joins us to talk about crafting your online reputation from an SEO perspective, how to maintain control of your brand's narrative using search, using the SERP to manifest your brand positively, and handling inaccuracies that impact your brand's identity when they appear within a Google property. Plus, is Google evil? The Wall Street Journal thinks so. We pick apart their article and the industry's peculiar response to it. I am your host, Morty Overseen. I am joined by the yearning, the exuberant, Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. Hello, <laughs> Sapir. It's been a long time. No speak. How's life? How are things? What's new? Okay, great. Uh, yeah, everything is as usual. Hey, okay. You? Everything's mm. wonderful. Really just That's wonderful. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Happy as a pig in <laughs> you know what. Pig in. Okay. Taking it day by day, another day in paradise. You get how I'm feeling today. <laughs> yeah, wow, okay. We're we're That's on we're, we're on a roll. We're on a roll this morning. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're feeling peachy. I'm I'm peachy. Peachy. Yeah. I like that word. It's a good word, peachy. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. Peachy. <laughs> do not Peachy. forget. Do not forget. We put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and of course, you may subscribe on iTunes. I dream that phrase, that line in my head at night. You can subscribe. Oh, seriously? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's so natural at this point. I tell my kids, That's you good. can subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> Poor kids. <laughs> That's true. That's the least of their problems with me. <laughs> Also, okay. also announcing another free Rank Ranger SEO and marketing tool, the UTM another Tracker one. Code Builder. Yes, another one. Woohoo. The, woohoo. The UTM Tracking Code Builder, where you can generate a custom UTM code to better track your marketing campaign performance. Head over to the Rank Ranger homepage, click on Resources, and you can find it there. Of course, we'll link to it in the blog post that harbors this podcast. Great show for you today. Ari Roth is here to talk all about online reputation from an SEO perspective. By the way, you catch that? Okay, so last week we spoke about online reputation from a global marketing perspective with Michelle Robbins, mm-hmm. right? And today we're talking mm-hmm. the same subject from an SEO perspective, huh? Huh? It's pretty good. Yeah, different perspectives. We're very thorough over here. Very thorough. It did it was very. not a coincidence that the guests I had lined up both picked that topic. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with that. It's pure genius on our part. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So before <laughs> before that, let's get into the Wall Street Journal's take on Google and SEO and all the good old controversy around it because I'm slightly annoyed. Well, I'm more annoyed than I usually am, um, which mm-hmm. would make this another of Morty's pet peeves. So I wasn't going to do it, okay? I, 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 I swear I wasn't going to do it. I know we said mm-hmm. we talk about the Wall Street Journal's article about Google and whatnot on this episode of the podcast, but as the week went on, I felt like, yeah, this is old news. I said my piece last week. There's no need to go through this again. Right. Right. But then, <laughs> you're like then. waiting for it, but then, <laughs> yeah. just when you thought that this whole thing could not get any more bizarre... 
Barry Schwartz went ahead and wrote what I thought was an objectively wonderful rebuttal. Really, a wonderful rebuttal of all the things the Wall Street Journal got wrong and whatever. All hell broke loose. So mm-hmm. let's get into some of what the, um, the, the Wall Street Journal proposed as truth, and then I'll rant about it. So in case you're not aware, the Wall Street Journal wrote an article lambasting Google for the removal of controversial content from the autocomplete function, the favoring of big brands, manual changes made by Googlers in some sort of editing free for all, blacklisting sites, and so on. Right. So, okay. Um, you know, here's what, here's what we're going to do. Okay, I'm going to go through my issues with the piece itself, and then we'll get to the um, the rebuttal piece that Barry wrote and how everyone reacted to that. Okay. Um, so in case you weren't listening last week, which shame on you. Shame, shame, shame on you. <laughs> um, and I, the Wall Street Journal mentioned, and I picked, this, I picked this apart last week, that they analyzed 17 searches on the Google oh. SERP and compare it to Bing and, and, and DuckDuckGo. Yeah, for real? Because you know what? I just did 17,000 searches in the last five minutes. You did 17 searches? I do 17 searches for breakfast. Oh. Ooh, them fighting words. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's good, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, two. Two. There was a whole bunch of complaining in the piece about Google editing out offensive nonsense in the autocomplete. Like if you search for like, you know, Hillary Clinton, you would get is evil or, you know, I don't know. Uh, Lance Armstrong has one testicle. Well, no, that's true, actually. Um, <laughs> we went too far with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were, the journal was complaining how, the, you know, how Google uh, creates manual adjustments to the search results and. There's no you know, control over that. Anyone could be doing anything and, and malaligning all sorts of information. This is like terrible things that Google is doing. So I have what I call the 11-year-old standard. And I'm just going to okay. read to you. It sounds funny, but it's true. And I'm just going to read to you a tweet that I, I put out uh, as soon as I read the, um, the journal. Okay? This is me reading me. It's like watching TV when what they're doing on TV is watching TV. It's weird. Yes. Okay, here we go. Quote, I don't get there, as in the Wall Street Journal's, point of view on censorship. If if your 11-year-old kid searched for Biden or Trump for a project, would you want them to see, quote, is a moron, is a putz? Or despite your political leanings, would you want your 11-year-old to see the facts? Right. Right? Okay. It's really, really simple. Okay, and there have been times... And I, ta- I actually mentioned this case in my interview with Ari Roth coming up, where I've complained to Danny Sullivan or whoever it is on Google saying, hey, this is really messed up. I remember I did a search for, you know, best generals. I was doing some research and Hitler came up. I'm like, that can't be right. That just can't be right. And I complained and it was removed. Was that a bad thing? Was that terrible? No, leave Hitler on the SERP. Please. Like, do you really want your kids seeing completely inappropriate things in autocomplete? Can you imagine what could be there that your 11-year-old is reading? So clearly none of the people at the Wall Street Journal wrote this article have 11-year-old kids. Because they did not think that one through. Right. On to number three, eBay and Amazon. So um, the journal said that eBay doesn't advertise as much as Amazon does, and that's why their rankings are not as good as Amazon's, blah, 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 blah. 
And this was hilarious to me. Because first off, we did a study a while back. I don't remember when I did this one. This was like, I don't know, maybe two years ago. It was some, uh, we analyzed and picked apart some updates. Someone who does e-commerce asked me, hey, could you look at what's going on here? And I did, and it turned out Amazon lost ranking in that case, a lot of rankings, and eBay gained a lot of rankings in that case. So it happens where Amazon gains ranking, eBay loses, eBay gains, Amazon, it happens. That's how it goes. But the really funny thing, and I'm dying inside and wanting to get this out for a week already. Okay. Um, Amazon? Do you realize how much money Google spends trying to compete with Amazon? Did, what? I just want to know. I just want to know. Please tell me, Wall Street Journal, do you not read European news and see what's going on with Google's shopping? Okay. Google does not like Amazon. Google likes Amazon as much as my eight-year-old likes Brussels sprouts. <laughs> That's insane. Google has updated its product knowledge panel to be a, a shopping behemoth, all full of information and whatnot and whatever, so that you don't go to Amazon. You know, the last time I checked, Amazon gets on thirty percent of its traffic from from Google from search. I mean, maybe a little bit of that from from Bing, probably not. Um, that's gotta kill Google. The fact that Google ranks Amazon well. Which the Wall Street Journal uses as a way to discredit Google actually only credits Google. I, I just like don't understand. Don't you see all the updates Google makes to Google Shopping? Why are they doing that? Because of Amazon. What is going on? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay. Whew. Now this one is the best one for me. Number four. Okay. Google favors big brands, which I just sort of got into with the whole, you know, Google likes big brands and pay money to Google, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But I'm taking it from a different perspective now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, Google favors big brands. So do you, you mother fornicators. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Well, you need a heart transplant. Do you go to some mom and pop hospital? No. You go to the most biggest, most baddest medical network in the planet. Right? My wife had her thyroid removed because she had thyroid cancer. And she had it removed on my alma mater, the Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. And you know what I didn't say? I'm like, I really wish I was more diverse in my understanding of brands that I would pick a small mom and pop hospital and not one of the best hospitals on the planet. No, I didn't say that. And not because I'm a bad person, which I am. I'm not. I I'm getting carried away here, okay? I mean, yeah, okay. no, for real, think of any chain. Okay, I remember when I was a kid, there was a chain called Midas. They change your muffler, they change your brakes, and people love going to them because they trust them. People say to themselves, it's a brand. They won't cheat me. They don't have any reason to. They're a big brand. They're reputable. They're trustworthy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So when you, the writers of the Wall Street Journal, do this, no problemo. Okay, I get it. You don't want like big brands. Google shouldn't put big brands in there. Fine. How about this? I propose this. The Wall Street Journal, because you're a big brand, you should not rank. Google should diversify its rankings and put in smaller brands. So like the, the Bumblebill Nowhereville Times, they should rank instead of the Wall Street Journal. I don't see you proposing that because that would actually hurt you. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> right? No Wall Street Journal rankings. The Toad Sucks Time, that should rank. By the way, Toad Suck is a real town in Arkansas. Oh, my, really? Yes. Okay. That's a weird name. Uh, I guess so. Toad suck. I want to okay. know. I'm kind of wonder how that came out. Came about. I just bit my tongue. Ow, that hurt. 
Right. I bit my tongue on toad suck. Uh. <laughs> Literally, I just bit my tongue. <laughs> okay, so if all of this and me biting my tongue wasn't bad enough, Barry Schwartz, the darling of the SEO, like no one's better than Barry. There should be a phrase in reality. It should be a, a, like a poster. Like a, a, a can't be better than Barry because it's not possible. It's like aiming for like the, the stars of goodness that is humanity. So he wrote a very well done rebuttal and the SEO world lost its shit. I mean, there was crap like, well, isn't Danny Sullivan a part owner of Search Engine Land? And, and he works for Google now, so therefore you lie. Your piece is a lie, Barry. Okay, even if it's true that Danny Sullivan does own Search Engine Land and is still a partner or whatever it is at this point, I have no idea if that's true or not true. It's Barry Schwartz. It's like asking Superman to lie. It doesn't happen. Okay. The, the, yes. Search engine land. <laughs> Danny Sullivan went to, to search engine land and said, get Barry to lie. And then Barry said, okay, I'll lie. And they put it in, in all of his integrity for the last 15 years. Barry said, oh, forget it. I'm going to lie for Danny Sullivan. I'm sorry. Were we handing out crazy pills this morning and drinking Kool-Aid for breakfast? The, the, the best were the folks who were like, yeah, the Wall Street Journal is true. Evil empire. Evil Empire. What was true? Seriously, the Wall Street Journal didn't say any, anything of substance. It just made accusations and didn't back them up. So we spoke to hundreds of people, and, 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 and that's how we know what we know. Really? That's like me saying, I spoke to 100 people who said that water causes male pattern baldness or drink scotch. Nice example. It's pertinent because I like scotch and I'm going bald. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that, that that was Barry's whole point. Like, even if you you agree with the conclusions of the Wall Street Journal, the piece still was terrible because it didn't substantiate anything. Like, here's how journalism works. If you're going to say it's a fact, you got to prove it. Because at right. the end of the day, that should have been an editorial. That should not have been a you know a, a main content piece, whatever you call it. Okay, if that wasn't enough, here's what really gets to me. Okay. Let me say this. Okay. I have been very critical of Google in the past. Okay. There's a lot of things I don't like. There's a lot of things that make me upset about Google. And I've spoken about them. I'm very free about them. You can talk to me about them. You can ask me about them. And I will tell you what I think. In case you haven't noticed, I will tell you what I think. Okay. <laughs> there are some things I won't tell you about what I think. But for the most part, I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Just tell us what you think. I think that there are conspiracy theories that sometimes make sense. Like Google saying, hey, uh, or I'm sorry, rather, like us in the SEO industry saying, hey, Google, you're probably looking at bounce rates when ranking things. That makes sense. Even if you disagree, it's reasonable. I happen to agree. And that's a conspiracy theory. And I, I know you all think I'm crazy, right? Google flat out denied it, but I still believe it. I just think there's right. no way Google's not looking at that data. That would be silly on their part. It would just be silly for them not to do that. And fine. Okay, th that's one category of conspiracy theory. And I'm, I'm okay with those. Some of them I like. Some I think are insane. And some of them I actually believe in. But to say something like Google's like a dark entity of pure evil is entirely <laughs> something else. It's like it's one of the like, deep state conspiracy theory kind of things. And that's where I, the reaction in the in, from the industry, while there were a lot of people who said, hey, great job, Barry. Good job. Pat on the back, Barry. 
there were a lot of crazy reactions to it. I couldn't believe how many SEOs believe this crap. It's too much. It goes too far, and it means your view of reality here is a little bit skewed. And you'll say, oh, well, it's harmless. No, it actually it 100% impacts your, your, your um, SEO practice. This is not some theoretical opinion you have. It plays itself out in the underpinnings of how you approach SEO and, and how you deal with SEO and what your SEO strategy is. And when you go too far, it's going to mess up your SEO practice. So please, everybody, let's take a piece of reality. Let's chew on it for a little bit. Google is a corporation like any other corporation. It has corruption. Like you, like me, there is a dark part of it that's corrupt. Okay, but this bad seed that we're planting and that we're really um, growing and fermenting. I don't know if you can ferment the seed, but you understand what I'm saying. We need to watch that very carefully. Us, the stewards of SEO. <sighs> what a delightful rant, as usual. Thank you, Morty. You're welcome. I thought it was insightful and I feel much better. Yeah, for sure. Very insightful. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy that you're feeling better. You're like, you, know? you took the words right out of my mouth. It was insightful <laughs> and wonderful. How did you know I felt that way? <laughs> I know. I'm, I read minds. Yeah. I quote Zoolander. Okay. I guess we should, okay. we, should, we should probably segue into our interview now, right? Yeah. Okay. Have fun with that. I, I, no, I've, I've thought about this very carefully. <laughs> From guess. that ball of sunshine. Yeah. To, <laughs> To keeping things positive <laughs> with your online reputation, here's Ari Roth on SEO and online reputation. Cut one. Nice segue. Cut one. Welcome to an InSearch SEO podcast interview session. Joining me now is a self-described search enthusiast, the account director of search strategy at Five Blocks, and as featured on scroundtable.com, here's Ari Roth. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Morty. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. Finally, we've been like Twitter friends. We have a lot, a lot of people we know in common, and we have a lot of sports things in common. We're both from New York originally, big Yankees fans. Mm -hmm. I'm a Steelers fan, and you're a Giant fan, so a little bit of a gap there. How'd you get to be a Steelers fan in New York? So my step family is from Pittsburgh, and gotcha. when it came to like baseball, they were Pirate fans, and that was okay if I was a Yankee fan, but if I wanted to live, eat, and whatever, I had to be a Steelers fan. So that survival, <laughs> it was survival. Um, actually, I uh, was just listening to your last podcast. We're recording on a Wednesday. You released the last one on Tuesday. Uh, I have major imposter syndrome, especially following Michelle Robbins, <laughs> who was on. No, but this management. is good. No, yeah, first off, absolutely. She was talking very high level. I think that you've seen from my Twitter presence, and anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I like really diving down to the tactical, the technical, the details, things like that. And you and me very much align on that type of thing. Yeah, so this is, is going to be good. First off, it's great that we're following up something. Um, if you didn't hear last week's episode with Michelle Robbins, we spoke about um, online reputation, not from an SEO perspective. And now we're going to do it from an SEO perspective. So it all makes sense. And yeah, I like going into the greater details of things and getting a little bit deeper into the, the granule level SEO. Um, okay. I actually had a, a support for something that you said last week, by the way, in the pre-interview segment, you were talking about this shift to different types of algorithm updates. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you think about that, Panda and Penguin really support what you're saying. That's it true. It used to be get hit by Panda or Penguin, boom, and you're sort of out of luck until the next update if you get hit. 
Whereas at a certain point, they stopped confirming those updates because they started doing it on a smaller, more ongoing basis. If that's what happens with these core updates, I think that's a welcome step, like you said last week. You're already my favorite guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it only makes sense. Like, why would why would you want to wait? Why would you want to do these large, broad scale monster updates when you could just be doing it in real time? Obviously, the resources thing is a whole whatever. By the way, I, I, I'm I'm rude. Can you please tell us about Five Blocks? Absolutely. So Five Blocks is an online reputation management agency. Uh, it's based in the U.S., but we have an office here in the Jerusalem area. Um, I'm going to get into what makes Five Blocks special shortly. You'll hear that throughout the podcast, uh, sort of a unique approach that we take relative to other firms that specialize in the search space. Um, but that's the basics, uh, and I'll let the, the rest of the content speak for itself. Awesome. Okay. Um, we'll definitely link to the Five Blocks site. You can check it out in the uh, blog the blog post that harbors this podcast. All right. So get us all off on the same page. If you listen to this podcast, it's what we do every time. Just so we're all on the same page when we talk about um, reputation management from an SEO mindset, from an SEO perspective, what in the world are we talking about? Okay, so the basic background is uh, the most common situation. Clients come to us when they feel that they aren't being fairly represented in Google search results. So, um, you know, obviously in uh, broader SEO, you want to take one site or maybe a couple different sites and rank them for a whole suite of terms. Uh, so, for instance, I had a boxing client who wanted to rank for boxing gloves, boxing shorts, boxing XYZ. Uh, and, and that's the, the classic SEO example. For reputation management, uh, we're taking a bunch of different sites from all over the place, social media, owned properties, you know, profiles on business websites, things like that, to rank for a much smaller and more focused set of queries. Uh, and I'm not just talking about company names. Uh, I think that that's the example that gets the most press, but it's, it's company names and brand names. That's the most common, but we also have C-suite execs. We have high net worth individuals, even product names or like hot button political issues. People can hire us to uh, get out uh, what they feel is a more accurate story uh, for what they care about. Okay, so I want to I concretize that a little bit because it is a bit abstract if you don't know what we're talking about. At the end of the day, at the end of the process, what is, what is a good product, what is a, what is a good chunk of, of, of solid work on brand reputation look like once you finally have it set up? So I think that there's a difference um, in perception versus reality in the <laughs> online reputation management uh, industry. And in and reality. It very, much parallels, <laughs> it very much parallels the same thing for SEO. So we always talk about as SEO practitioners how other people who aren't as familiar with SEO view SEOs as sort of these snake oil salesmen because there are those types of people out there who give the rest of us a bad name. The same thing is true in reputation management. ORM should relate to, as I said, getting an accurate story out there. Last week you talked about building up this great brand uh, and sort of having that be reflected online. But ultimately, we know we've Googled around and seen things that are sort of strange and don't align with what we feel about a certain brand. Uh, and that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone will go and they'll build up this amazing brand and they'll do one thing that, you know, gets them in a little bit of hot water. And that then sort of defines how they're viewed, at least within the lens of Google search. Uh, and where we come in is trying to use these SEO principles at a more like holistic level, understanding what Google wants to show, different features that they use, and how that all works together to paint a picture uh, that, as I said, creates a more uh, accurate story. What does the SERP look like was really your question, I think. 
Uh, and so I'll address that now. Those snake oil salesmen are the equivalent within reputation management. What they do, they use uh, sort of these huge networks of churn and burn sites uh, that they build up with sort of a blog network. Um, and they create sort of nearly identical vanilla content across all these different sites. And all of them are interlinking between each other uh, to sort of use the, the dependence on linking within Google's algorithm to game the system. They're like trick, trying to trick Google or whitewash something. Um, we don't do that. Um, and I'll tell you why. If you fast forward a few months, you know, if you have a client who comes to us and, you know, they go to one of these other firms and they consider the crisis to be, you know, behind them, so to speak. And then they one day Google themselves again, they look at their results and they see something is off. And it is because uh, you or I go to search and I think something is off there as well because, you know, the, the search results need to be something natural. You shouldn't have these sites that no one has heard of and only exist for reputation management purposes in your results. That, that's not a natural brand footprint. So what we try to do is work more within the sites that are common for you to see and that you expect to see when a brand uh, is searched for uh, and use those to sort of, uh, you know, paint the picture that clients are looking for. That's a good point, by the way. And then there's there's something I wrote like way back, like in, I don't know, like in the end of high school, early college, wherever it was. They used to rank really well on Google. I only know because I used to like look for them. Like, hey, I rank on Google. It was like you know, 20 years ago already, 15 years ago, <laughs> and and you you cannot find it today. It, it's gone. Like it's it's totally relevant to who I am. It's totally relevant to to what I do now. And Google sort of knows that. And when you Google my name. Yeah, I do vanity searches once in a while. Um, <laughs> it doesn't – you can't find it. And it's a good point because you might go with a cheap solution. I don't mean cheap like it's going to cost you money. I mean cheap in that sense it's not really quality. And it may work for a month, two months, three months, four months. But come back in three years and see what's still ranking. Absolutely. Uh, so we call our solution sort of as opposed to regular online reputation management, intelligent online reputation management uh, because we have to work uh, with the client in various departments – uh, to make sure that all the pieces are working together uh, and all the different properties that Google naturally sort of wants to show uh, are working together in the right way. So I want to harp back on something. You mentioned SERP features for a moment. They're one of my favorite topics. And mm -hmm. when I think of a brand, I automatically think tons and tons of SERP features on the SERP. So wh when it comes to creating a, a brand identity or, or putting your own narrative out there, how do you leverage SERP features to do that? Well, I guess it depends on the specific search, search feature that you're talking about. For instance, one of the most common results for a brand is going to be uh, the Twitter box, we call it. I don't know if there's an official name for it, uh, but basically we're all familiar with the regular sort of results where, you know, there's a title that's the blue link and then maybe the URL either above or below, depending on what Google's testing that day, and then a, a lengthier description. And those are just like the standard results. Twitter... Um, because they have sort of that fire hose directly into Google, if there is a Twitter account that's associated with whatever you're searching for and they've been tweeting lately, that'll show up. The tweets themselves will show up in the search. Um, but people think just, okay, I'll tweet. Like, I go on Twitter, I see something interesting, I'm going to retweet that. I don't even have to comment. And it's not true. You have to know the ins and outs of each individual SERP feature. For the Twitter box, straight retweets, don't appear in that Twitter box. You have to, you know, retweet with a comment, for instance. You have to come up with some original tweet. Obviously, you have to tweet somewhat regularly. Uh, I, I just heard of an example 
you know, internally of a client who wasn't a, a big Twitter fan. And then I guess one day the, the mood struck them and they logged onto Twitter and tweeted a couple of times. And then all of a sudden after months of not having the Twitter box, the Twitter box came back and, and was a huge part of what people saw when they searched for them that day. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's frequency of tweeting, what types of tweets, uh, that type of stuff. And the Twitter box is really important because first off, it's your own content. You control the narrative, what's in there, what's not in there. And in theory, if there's a, there's a bad site, I mean, bad for you, on the SERP, the Twitter box might knock it off. You know, so that could be the 10th site on the page or the 9th site on the page, and the Twitter box knocks that one off the page. Yeah, and that's actually more true of Twitter than for other results because um, even if Google associates a Twitter account with a specific entity that you're searching for, um, if they haven't tweeted uh, recently, their Twitter account might not show up. The only way it shows up is a Twitter box. We've seen examples where Twitter is a big part of the brand, and even when they don't tweet, you know, Twitter shows up on page one. But the more common uh, you know, way that we see it happen is if they haven't tweeted lately, the Twitter box is just gone. Uh, and then it pops in when they tweet. So as you said, if the 10th and the final result on the page is something uh, that uh, you know, reflects poorly upon the brand, then it's no longer on page one because you're tweeting. It's very simple, but it's something that can have a big impact. Right. Um, so I want to jump into, onto um, schema markup for a second because when it, I mean, one, it's just a hot topic, so we got to talk about it. But two, it's one of the places where, again, where you can control the narrative, what goes, what in theory goes onto the SERP reflective of your brand. And I'm just curious, are there are there markups that you prefer? Are there drawbacks to this? Are there some markups that are better for a brand reputation that are, and, and some that are just it, totally not? I wouldn't say totally irrelevant. Anything's not. No form of schema is going to be totally irrelevant. It's things you should focus on more to sort of control your brand presence narrative versus other ones. Uh, yeah, so I've yet to see any drawbacks from schema as long as you're doing it right. Yeah, I felt like uh, I had to ask certainly, that. Like, <laughs> certainly <laughs> cases where people are adding schema markup for things that aren't on the page and they just want it to show up in search. And again, that's sort of gaming the system. Uh, in terms of what schema markup is more most effective, there's been a lot of chatter in the industry lately about the FAQ markup. Uh, we're certainly on that bandwagon as well while it works. I will say one thing, which is that um, I'm not so confident that the way the SEO industry is using FAQ markup is going to uh, stay something that works long term. No. If you look at the guidelines, it, it's really meant for actual FAQ pages right. uh, and pages dedicated to FAQs as opposed to just popping some FAQs at the bottom of the page. But ultimately, you know, we owe the best service possible and to leverage whatever uh, features we have available to our clients right now, and therefore we're using it uh, as as part of our larger tool set. Personally speaking, I, I mean Google's aware of what what's happening because there's a lot of crap in the FAQ. But I think that they 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 rather have the FAQ with I would call it um, off center content. I don't mean it's off center and it's it's off color, but it's off your your center core of what you're doing in the actual page, rather than not have it there at all. And once you get enough content where there's actually an FAQ for every SERP where you don't have to show crap, then they'll start weeding out what's good and what's not good. And you will not be in the FAQ if you're not going to – if you're just going to throw an FAQ at the end of the page, it's totally irrelevant. It won't show up anymore. My personal thing. I agree. Uh, and so obviously people in the industry, again, just like the Twitter box, you have to know how these features work. So people in the industry are talking about uh, – and there have already been sort of case studies and, and blog posts written about this 
it only works on page one. So if you have a page that's ranking on page two, you implement FAQ, FAQ page markup, it's not going to do anything until it climbs to page one. Uh, they're limiting the number of sites who can do this to three per page. So uh, they're sort of incentivizing you to be among the early adopters. Um, and, and then people also mention, you know, I would love to combine FAQ schema markup with, you know, product review ratings uh, and things like that. And people did tests and basically showed that Google chooses between the two. And, you know, you may think that, you know, someone rating your product as five stars is really important for people to see. In that case, you might not want to do FAQ markup. We internally have done additional testing because, uh, as I said, we have sort of have a different lens uh, from the reputation management industry, and we've come up with a few other things that haven't been talked about yet. So I'm sort of excited to hear your thoughts on this. So first of all, our uh, internal uh, technology, it's called Impact, uh, and it basically in all the locations that we set it up for and all the terms that we set it up for, uh, it's polling all these terms in each location every single day. And it shows us the entire search page sort of one day next to the other. So we can see changes from day to day and correlate, you know, okay, this result dropped out when this one came in, maybe there's some sort of connection there we can leverage. That gives us a, a whole set of patterns that we can leverage uh, to really guide strategy for the client. But what we noticed was when implementing the FAQ, that the FAQ markup is itself considered an organic result in terms of the number of results on the page. That makes sense. So if there were supposed to be 10 results on the page and one of those now has FAQ markup, there's actually only going to be nine. So same way what you were talking about in terms of Twitter. Uh, if you get the Twitter box and number 10 falls off the page, if you have something towards the bottom of the page, FAQ could be a huge opportunity for you uh, to push it down to page two. Yeah, We also have a working hypothesis um, that Google is actively filtering out FAQ markups on site homepages. Uh, a colleague tested this on a sandbox site that we have uh, that we use to test different things. He implemented the markup correctly the FAQs were validated by, you know, Google's, uh, you know, structured data and rich snippet testing tools, but it didn't show up live in the search even after Google recrawled the page. Then he did something interesting after he had this theory. He changed the homepage URL to be, you know, sitename.com slash home instead of just sitename.com, and all of a sudden it showed up. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's one thing to throw content in there that's not exactly on, on, on target, on topic. It's another thing to use the homepage when that's a little egregious. Like that's not what everyone knows. There's not an FAQ in a homepage. Like, come on, what are you kidding me? It's like, absolutely. How much, how much, if I'm Google, I'm thinking, like, okay, how much am I going to let this slide? It's like a kid eating one cookie for breakfast in the morning versus eating an entire <laughs> cake and then having a bag of chips afterwards. It's insane. Well, I think you just nailed my kid's diet. Actually. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm basing it off of my kids. I have a, I have a three-year-old who every morning climbs up to a cabin onto the counter grabs cookie for himself and for his one and a half year old brother unbelievable it's unbelievable These kids are ingenious it's unbelievable i'm like i don't when i was a kid I never did anything like that i can, i don't remember being like a monkey like that like climbing up on cabinets pulling down cookies i have no control i have no control. i think we probably are repressing those memories just so we don't have to deal with it but i'm pretty <laughs> sure that like kids base nature hasn't changed and we definitely did that to our parents and we're just getting karma now I guess. And you know what? That makes a lot of sense.
the takeaway though from the, the FAQ though, and, and all these SERP features to me is just like you do, you know, people like Barry Schwartz, Dr. Pete from Moz, you know, uh, Marie Haynes and Glenn Gabe uh, around the algorithm updates. You have to be up to date on what is going on in the SEO world. And, you know, you and all these other people are must follows on Twitter for me uh, to make sure that I know what's going on. So I'm and gushing. Once you know what's going on, you then have the opportunity to test it on your own, see what works and doesn't for, you know, either a sandbox site like we have, for instance, or uh, say to clients who are, you know, a bit more adventurous, you know, we saw this new feature. Do you want to be one of those early adopters or do you want to see how it plays out? Uh, either way, you're testing, you're learning. Uh, and within our industry, the big key is really sharing what you're learning with the crowd. And we all get better at our jobs because of it. So first off, you should follow Valentin Pletzer also because he's an amazing resource of finding new um, new tests of the SERP. And you should follow Ari Roth. <laughs> Ari Roth, is, uh, that's a different thing. Right. Okay, well, since we're talking about Ari Roth for a second, I want to ask you about the knowledge panel. We're on Ari Roth and we're on SERP features. So obviously the biggest, baddest of them all when it comes to a brand is the knowledge panel. So mm -hmm. we have to discuss, and I'm leaving out the local panel for a second because it's a whole other beast. But if you're a brand and you want to show up, and, and again, it's, it's particularly good because it's, you're showing up for branded queries with this panel. How do you go about doing this if you're a corporation? What do you need to show up in the knowledge panel? So... I wrote an article, and I think this is what you're alluding to, which basically I saw at one point when you Google Ari Roth, I am by far the least notable Ari Roth that's out there. <laughs> There's another Ari Roth who is a very well-known playwright, um, and he has a Wikipedia page, and therefore he has a knowledge panel. And I thought, you know, we know about this feature, uh, and we did this for a lot of clients who claimed their knowledge panel using the button right underneath the knowledge panel. And I thought, hmm, I wonder how good Google is at detecting sort of more nefarious attempts to claim or try to impact someone else's reputation. So I went to this other Ari Roth's knowledge panel. I clicked the button. I did the process. Uh, and, and how I noticed this and decided to do this was actually my Twitter and my Facebook were at different times showing up in that knowledge panel as if they belonged to this other Ari Roth. Nice. So I, I go through this process. <laughs> And I show them that I'm logged into these profiles because that's part of the process. Uh, and I don't know who is reviewing it. In my head, I have sort of this image of these Indian outsourcers sitting here working for Google and reviewing these requests. But whoever it was who was reviewing this request was obviously not looking at it so critically because the other Roth is 58 years old. I am nowhere near 58 years old. Uh, and but ultimately, I was given access to that knowledge panel. And at that point, I could have made certain changes that uh, presumably the other Ari Roth wouldn't like. Wreak havoc, or, change a photo, mess mm -hmm. up his whole Wikipedia. Come on, go for it. Yeah. So, By the way, you're a thief. Point, you realize that, right? <laughs> I'm a thief, but actually, I didn't even update the blog post. But breaking news is someone at Google saw that blog post because after reading the post, I no longer had access to the knowledge panel. <laughs> that was your first I mistake. I stole the crown jewels and I read a blog post about it. No, but it was good. In the blog post, I said, I am not aiming to do anything nefarious. I'm more the curious SEO practitioner. Uh, and so I said in the blog post, what I hope Google's going to do after seeing this is revoke my access. If you know the other Ari Roth sees this post somehow and wants access, I'm happy to like share that access if that's even a thing. I'm not sure it is. Wait, but you weren't uh, going to give it to him. You were share it. I get it. Okay. Uh -huh. 
whatever it is. You know, if he <laughs> wants to change his mind, I'm happy to, happy to facilitate that. But this is an interesting larger point, especially in the industry right now. Uh, there was a Wall Street Journal article that came out, uh, you know, in the past week or so that talked about how Google manually uh, sort of does things that aren't necessarily part of the algorithm. And that gives people pause because, you know, they think maybe Google is helping big business for ad money. They, maybe they're pushing some sort of, you know, nefarious liberal agenda, yada, yada, yada. I don't think it's like that. Uh, and I think that we all in the SEO industry agreed that that Wall Street Journal article was a little bit sensationalist and ridiculous. Um, but ultimately, some manual systems are in place specifically to help with situations in which the wow, algorithm misunderstand, make a mistake. And again, not sinister, I hope. Um, you have to know exactly how this works. And again, testing and, and pushing the limits of what Google allows you to do allows you to then understand what's possible. For, the takeaway for me with this whole knowledge panel thing was basically for my clients who are individuals, I could hypothetically go legally change my name to Bill Gates, take a picture of my ID, and then can I now claim Bill Gates' knowledge panel? Like, Just set up a Twitter account. Themselves to make sure that no other people are able to do that. That's amazing. It's an amazing story, by the way. And I'm kidding that you're a thief, but I'm not so much kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, just for our newer, you know, people who are newer to SEO. Um, so obviously, if you want to create a knowledge panel, if you want to get into the knowledge panel, you need, to, you need to create a Wikipedia page. What else do you recommend people do in order to show up there? So Wikipedia is sort of the silver bullet when it comes to uh, knowledge panels. Other solutions are not as reliable. Right. Uh, so... You know, there are other sites that we've seen potentially feed into the knowledge panel. In the old days, uh, there was a site called Freebase, which was sort of like Wikipedia in that it was like your guaranteed ticket into the knowledge panel. And I have various coworkers who before Freebase was uh, deprecated, they went in and sort of created an entity for themselves. Uh, and that led to them, you know, successfully getting a knowledge panel. Right. These days, it's more Wikipedia or Prey. And Wikipedia is its whole, whole, own whole other ballgame. And to throw in actually a shameless plug, we have a free beta tool called Wiki Alerts, which you sign up, you tell it which Wikipedia pages you want to track, and it sends you email updates anytime a Wikipedia page you care about is edited. It's totally That's good free, to know. and people That's should go good. sign up for it. Um, it pulls like the Wikipedia API, I think, every six minutes. So at most, you're six minutes behind an edit. If there's vandalism, you can detect it. I think that because we all know that Wikipedia has such a robust footprint within search and, you know, even not within search, it has its own community of people who are just on Wikipedia and, and reading things all day. That's something that's a big part of your online reputation and which people should care about. Uh, I think you need to be familiar with like how Wikipedia works. Obviously companies themselves are sort of discouraged from editing their own pages or people are discouraged from editing their own pages because of conflict of interest or paid editing guidelines. But there are a couple of solutions. One is you can openly declare your conflict of interest and just say, you know, even though I have a conflict of interest, I think ABC are things that should be changed on this page to improve the page within the context of the project and, and make the page more encyclopedic and, and accurate in nature. Uh, and certainly, uh, even if you have a COI, and that's what a conflict of interest, uh, that's sort of the, the uh, abbreviation and the, the, ins the insider's term. That's what cool people call it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you can minimally revert overt vandalism 
uh, even if you have a COI. So someone goes onto your page, even if you have a COI, uh, and they write, you know, company X sucks. I hate company X. Obviously, that's not something which belongs on Wikipedia, and I think you would be safe reverting that. Uh, but certainly, you have to tread carefully and uh, and make sure that you're uh, in in accordance with the guidelines and best practices of each platform. Would you consider um, Wikipedia to be like the basis of of creating an entity understanding and therefore brand of doing solid brand reputation management for SEO? I think it's definitely a big piece. What we've found is. If you're searching for an individual, if you're searching for a company and there is a Wikipedia page, A, as, you, as I mentioned, the knowledge panel is probably going to show up with the snippet from Wikipedia front and center. But also in the standard organic results, uh, Wikipedia, if it exists, is almost a lock to appear on page Right, I was going to say that. It's another, way, it's another way to push something off the page. Yeah, but there are, there are other things as well. Um, Wikidata yeah. is a Wikipedia sister site. It sort of took the mantle from Freebase when Freebase was deprecated um, and uh, is another feeder uh, potentially for the knowledge graph and as well as Google's understanding of your entity. Um, the Bloom for businesses, Bloomberg has a business database that feeds in uh, rather prominently. So these are things that you need to, to keep in mind. Uh, schema organization markup. Um, it doesn't have you know, a clear way that it shows up in search, meaning you're not going to get a special search result or a SERP feature, FAQs or product reviews showing up from just using organization markup. But I think that explicitly communicating certain aspects of your business to Google um, through this organization markup and, uh, you know, painting this picture for Google and, and the other bots that are going to pick up on that markup is something that can help really create a well-rounded entity. Right. So I, I wanna, I wanna, I'm curious to know, because you deal with this so often and you're, you're so into this, how good is Google at accurately understanding entities? On the whole or meaning like is there specific misinformation oh, that me comes both. out from – Give me both. Okay. So on the whole, I think that they're pretty good in reflecting what – the media and other people say. And I don't mean this to be an attack on the media. Um, you know, there's this idea these days of fake news. And without getting into my personal political views, some people view this as something that like the president made up to discredit those who disagree with him. I don't think, again, sort of along the lines of what I said for the Wall Street Journal, I don't think there's some like sinister cabal intentionally distorting facts to the masses for their personal gain. <laughs> But the fact is, uh, in this work, I've seen the media make statements which I know firsthand to be false. These statements then frequently become facts in the public eye, especially through platforms like Wikipedia that base themselves on these, you know, uh, news media sites as like their their best possible sources of information. Um, so one example, I had a founder of a company who was no longer the CEO and not really involved in the day-to-day -day anymore. Something happened with him, and all of a sudden in the news, he's being referred to as the CEO, and the headline refers to him as the CEO, and that can play around with different things. If someone is called the CEO in major news stories, you know, one of the, the fields that we see in the knowledge panel for a company very frequently is who is the CEO, and that can, can cause there to be misinformation. Uh, in different Google features. Um, so 
along the same lines of what the Wall Street Journal is saying, you have to know how these different features work, where there is a system in place to correct misinformation manually uh, when the algorithm gets things wrong and be able to leverage those and submit that feedback to Google. How do you do that, though, at scale? There's, let's say, I don't know, whatever, CNN mentions, you know, you're the CEO and you're really the, you're really a grunt. You work at, you get the coffee, <laughs> right? And they list you and now you're the CEO of the company. I mean, okay, so it's one thing you could, if it's one person or a very small company, fine, like we do some vanity searches, no problem, I got this. But if you're talking about yep. an international site with all sorts of languages and all sorts of subsidiaries and all sorts of subsites, how do you go about doing that at scale? Well, as I said, our focus is much more narrow in terms of the search terms that we're trying to impact. So uh, if someone searches for, you know, company name, uh, you know, let's take Walmart or Kmart for an example, and they find the wrong CEO information, hopefully whoever that is has taken our recommendation, claimed their knowledge panel, and then they have a more direct connection to Google to say, hey, Google, this is incorrect. Here's the correct information. That's not big business, you know, leveraging their monetary <laughs> connections. Hilarious. That's, again, uh, anyone with a Wikipedia page and therefore a knowledge panel can claim their knowledge panel. Even the, the mom and pop people, the people who like barely made Wikipedia's, you know, guidelines for, for inclusion on the, the platform. Uh, and so you have to know exactly how that works. For uh, I think Danny Sullivan a while back released a whole blog post explaining the different features and yeah. what... Uh, uh, you know, courses of action were available to people who come across this stuff in different features. So we talked about the knowledge panel, but there's a different way to report uh, misinformation or inappropriate information in featured snippets. Uh, certainly there's feedback buttons for uh, reporting rich snippets, spam, things like that. And then, you know, as I said, within Wikipedia, uh, because that's a big thing that goes into different areas of search, uh, you can revert incorrect edits as well. By the way, Danny Sullivan is a good resource if you have a problem. Now, there, there's been a, I remember there was a search, and this speaks to the Wall Street Journal nonsense that, oh, editing manually is bad. I, I remember doing, I was doing research on like voice search and how Google is able to answer questions in voice search versus actual um, search search. And I typed in something like, um, like the best generals ever, Hitler shows up. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, oh, God. I wouldn't call like that like a good Jedi, maybe like strategically speaking, but I don't know. The idea of Hitler and anything good coming from like you know, a family of Holocaust survivors didn't sit well with me and Danny Sullivan got that fixed. Absolutely. Uh, the problem is I think within, I think this is a problem within general SEO also because people, A, tend to view Google as sort of the enemy and not want Google to like know about what they're doing lest you know some one tactic that they're using be a foul of google's guidelines and then google's now paying attention and they're going to slap you down so people are hesitant to do that there are also legal agreements not all especially in the reputation management space if it came out that a company who had sort of a bad reputation uh was working for a specific firm that would be very bad for that to come out and there are strict non-confidentiality uh, agreements but uh, the same thing exists within seo so I personally can't leverage Danny as much as I would like to, right. um, but I have noticed, just like you have, that in certain situations where there's something egregious yeah, going really on, egregious. Yeah. Uh, not relating to a client, uh, he's very helpful in pushing that to the relevant teams internally in Google and getting it fixed uh, you know, more quickly than it organically would. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I want to I jump back to something you were, you were sort of getting at um, a, a minute ago. Um, 
so yeah, okay, there's 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 things you can do. You can report things to Google. There's misinformation in your knowledge panel. If in Wikipedia there's something there that's not accurate, yes, you can do all that, right? But there's going to be mm-hmm. things that are sort of out of your locus of control. Like if Bob's review site says crap about me and Bob is just a jerk and he doesn't like me for some reason, what am I going to do about Bob's review site ranking number one on the SERP? So first of all, I, I wouldn't Bob. necessarily agree that review sites or any other site are entirely not within your locus of control. There are okay. always things you can do. Uh, for review sites specifically, uh, this is not our main focus. But there are companies out there who deal specifically with negative reviews and negative review attacks. Uh, we've definitely, on a case-by-case basis, seen a lot of success getting reviews removed. So again, I sort of come back to the necessity of being familiar with each major platform that tends to show up, uh, both you know off Google and including Google itself, because obviously within the local knowledge panel, there's a, a, a feature for reviews as well. So at this point, I honestly know Yelp's guidelines like the back of my hand, and I can pretty accurately guess if there's a negative review that the client doesn't like and they ask us to get removed, I can tell you whether I'm going to be able to get that negative review removed with a reasonable uh, uh, degree of accuracy. I also know, uh, and again, you have to know the platforms, if the client hired someone else beforehand or tried to remove it themselves first, that could actually hamper us because on Yelp, for instance, they don't re-review things. If you appeal something once and their team decides, uh, you know, you didn't make the case sufficiently and this deserves to stay, if I then go in and try to appeal that, it'll just send me a message saying, we've already reviewed this and found this within our guidelines. We're not taking another manual review. That's an automatic email. So I would say don't act unless you really know what you're doing or you're really confident that you're gonna uh, succeed and definitely talk to, to the professionals. Other sites, um, you know, there's a limit to what people can say. There are all sorts of laws about defamation and all that. You would have to talk to, in certain circumstances, you know, attorneys or PR professionals to determine what the risks and benefits are uh, of pursuing sort of legal action to get some of that information taken down. But again, in almost every situation, there's something you can do. It's just a matter of if it's worthwhile and a good idea for your overall brand to pursue that type of action. Yeah, to that to that point, you're talking about Yelp and other sites like this, and we we focus so much on you know um, on using or, or leveraging Google properties and and on your on your your locus of control within within the SERP. Um, but there there's so much that goes into what you're doing in terms of your reputation, even beyond the actual SERP, and even beyond the content on your page. You know things like Yelp and so forth. What are some of the things that SEOs need to consider that's not related to the content of their page? That's not related to a SERP feature, so that when they do rank on the SERP, they show up with a positive brand sentiment. Oh wow! Well, I, I think question. that in general, what we try to do uh, is integrate with all of our client teams. Meaning, we don't have one contact at these huge companies uh, that we're dealing with. There's you know a communications team, a brand team, uh, uh, you know a press team or a media team, something like that. Uh, And all of these different teams have to, I think, work together and know what the other teams are responsible for. So like you talked about last week with Michelle, um, the best way to have a good online reputation is to be doing really good, cool stuff offline. And that should find its way online. But having professionals who know how the online landscape works and how to push that into the right channels is something that is valuable and can get those efforts 
more exposure than they would on their own. So that's certainly something that I tend to recommend for our clients. Uh, and you know, we have conversations with 20 people in the room from totally different teams, making sure that everyone is on the same page to make sure that they get, you know, the maximum bang for their buck. Right. And it's a good point. And it speaks to something that Michelle mentioned last week also is that what you think Google understands or what they're using to understand you versus what Google's actually using to understand you is mm -hmm. way broader than what you think it is. I think the example yep. she gave, like, it makes a lot of sense. Like if you see the knowledge, speaking of the knowledge panel, uh, the mobile local panel, uh, desktop also, I'm sorry, um, for most, let's say a restaurant or something like that, you can see the popular times and it'll give you a live time. Like right now it's really busy. How do they know that? So they, they, mm -hmm. know, they know what's happening in, in reality, you know, brick and mortar kind of stuff. So you have to think a little bit more uh, broadly about who you are and what you're doing. I just want to ask before we move on to something a little bit more uh, fun, mm -hmm. where do the SEOs miss the ball or drop the ball rather? That's a totally bosh expression, not miss the ball, drop the ball when dealing with online reputation, building positive brand sentiment and preventing or dealing with reputation attacks. Hmm. That's a good question. I think that people, A, don't keep up with industry trends. So uh, I said a shameless plug for me earlier. I think this is actually a shameless plug for you guys, and I believe this honestly. Uh, I follow uh, you on Twitter, among other people, as I said, but uh, even the SERP feature tools that you guys have just to know what is going on day to day is very helpful. Um, I think... Um, doing the same things they've always done because they're not keeping up with these trends uh, has diminishing returns as the landscape changes. Uh, and I think that you also need to make sure that you're on top of the technical best practices. So for instance, uh, structured data we talked about, SERP features we talked about, but even something as simple as you know using canonical URLs for your social media profiles, because social media is obviously a big part of what's gonna show up in your SERP uh, under a normal circumstance. Facebook and LinkedIn are horrible at canonicalization. There's like trailing slash issues. There's issues with URL parameters, things like that. Uh, and on LinkedIn, you can even change your, your custom URL on LinkedIn, but the old URL and the new URL both exist and can be indexed separately because there's no sort of connection between the two. So Brilliant. you need to make sure that all of your stuff is really sending a strong unified signal um, across all platforms, owned sites, uh, and that can be not just your main corporate website, maybe you have a careers website. Yep. Another thing that people don't consider enough is different stakeholders. So, you know, people searching for Walmart or Kmart aren't necessarily people looking to make a purchase from there. Customers are certainly a major stakeholder, but maybe it's people looking to get a job. So careers is important. Maybe it's people looking for stock or financial performance and their investors that can affect, you know, the company's bottom line, things like that. Uh, you need to make sure that you have content geared towards all these people. And that's, again, goes back to working within the algorithm rather than working against the algorithm. Because Google, they also understand that these different users and stakeholders have different things that they want and need to see in that SERP. And Google's job... Uh, is to get the best possible results for everyone who's searching for that. Otherwise, you know, an engine like Bing or DuckDuckGo, for instance, could come in and you know steal their momentum by providing better results. So, uh, ultimately, 
work within the algorithm, give users what they want. Michelle talked about that last week, and I completely agree. Um, but also, you have to keep up with the industry trends to make sure that uh, you're utilizing all the tools that Google has uh, and gives you at your, to, for your disposal. Yeah, I mean, it, it is possible that you know, once if Google falls off and it's not, it's, it's not as good as understanding intent and relevancy that you could go to Bing. They have been using BERT for longer. So <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't do with anything, but like I found that like hilarious. Like, no, we've had it for longer. We only have like a you know a millionth of the users that you have, but we've had BERT for longer. But actually, those those search engine battles uh, always you know make me laugh. In terms of there are so many things that Bing does that I think would be cool and useful to have for yes. Google, and then Google will do it, and everyone's like, "Whoa, this is crazy! Where did that come from?" And it's like, unless you were tracking Bing, you would think that Google made this up on their own. I don't think Google is as innovative in new search features as we think these days. And I, maybe I that comes agree. off uh, a little bit overly negative, but all of these search engines are competing with other with each other. All of them are looking at what the other is doing and trying to figure out where they can use certain pieces within their own landscape. Uh, so I think if you stay on top of also what Bing is doing, frequently you, you keep your eye on something, if it's cool and it provides a good user experience, that's probably going to pop over to Google at some point, and it's something to keep in the back of your mind. By the way, do you recommend that, that if you're a brand and you're worried about your reputation, that you actually look at what the other search engines are showing? Because it is possible. Like, for example, um, I would imagine a lot of older people use Bing because if you're gonna oh, if you get a new computer and you don't you don't mm -hmm. have Firefox, you're gonna just use um, whatever they call it now, um, Edge or they just renamed it right, whatever it is. I have no idea. I don't really care. I think, I think Edge is the new name. No, I think um, Edge is the old name. I think they have a new one coming out. Then I have no idea. I don't really care. It sucks. <laughs> okay, yeah. but it's gonna default I'm, I'm to Bing. I'm a Chrome guy myself. Right. I'm an anything but um, Microsoft person. Yeah. So Bing is definitely important, and we also track that with uh, our internal technology here. Uh, we also, because we have clients who are concerned with other markets, within China, for instance, right. Google is censored, so you need to be following Baidu at least, because uh, they're the big name there. And we have a couple of other uh, search engines in the Chinese market that we're tracking as well in case uh, clients really care about that market. Um, I think the big thing here, and, and something that we didn't talk about, and, and something that's really unique to, to Five Blocks and how we approach reputation management specifically, is peer analysis. So just like Google is looking at what is Bing doing, what is Yahoo doing, etc. Um, if you're Kmart, you need to be looking at what Walmart is doing and vice versa. What we do, we'll take for clients a set of like five to 10 peers, add them to our tool, and you have a view where you can see all those five to 10 peers next to the client. You can run reports on what are the most common sites that are showing up for those peer uh, search terms, because those are probably your lowest hanging fruits and the best opportunities in terms of where you can have a more immediate impact for the client. If, for instance, you're a company who hasn't prioritized LinkedIn, LinkedIn is huge both for uh, career stuff and just general uh, social connections, um, that for businesses, that is a very, very common result. And we've seen clients where LinkedIn isn't showing up and we're saying, hmm, this is strange and doesn't fit in with the peers. How can we improve their LinkedIn uh, presence? It could be as simple as, and I also wrote a blog post about this, uh, removing duplicate content. Mm -hmm. A lot of these big companies, because all about the company text has to sort of go through a legal clearing, 
they have this one boilerplate text that's on their own website, maybe they're even their about page as yeah. well, it's on their LinkedIn page. And again, from a Google perspective, because they're trying to satisfy a bunch of user intent with one set of results, it's not valuable for them to show the same uh, content across multiple pages and sites. So just doing something so simple as deduping the content on a LinkedIn page can be what takes your LinkedIn page from nowhere to be found because it's behind Google's duplicate content feature to prominently on page one and helping you push down some negative content. Right. I, I recommend you not use boilerplate text for anything because even if you do rank for it and, and, the, and the user sees it, it, it comes off like, I really don't care what you're reading. I really don't care about who I am. Deal with it, which is not a good look at all. Okay. So with that, we have a fun little game we do on the show every every episode. If you know what it is, great. If you don't know what it is, it's called Optimize It or Disavow. It's where I give you two really good options or two really crappy options, and you're stuck <laughs> choosing between two really good options or two really crappy options. This is the Ari Roth version of Optimize It or Disavow It. Okay, so from a brand reputation perspective only, yeah, so we're, we're in a little box here. Okay. If you had the choice, you could only do one, not the other. You can answer it depends, but I guess that's a cop-out. <laughs> Would you work on creating all sorts of schema markup that, you know, when you rank organically, it really shows off who your brand is, what you guys are doing, what your brand is, a great way to show off whatever it is. Or would you work on making sure that your knowledge panel is optimized to the utmost that it possibly can be, but that's only going to show for a brand query? So listening to your past podcasts, I actually knew you were going to say saying it depends is a cop-out. So I'll give you my Thank you. good non-cop-out answer Thank first. Thank you. I do appreciate and that. And the more nuanced answer. There you are. Okay, so right. the non-cop-out answer <laughs> is for the purposes of this game and within my narrow viewpoint in online reputation management, because that was the way you sort of framed it, uh, I would say the knowledge panel uh, because it's more frequently present and likely it has more prominent presentation. It's at the top of that right-hand column. Whereas schema markup could be on a result that's much further down. Right. I think reviews are certainly important, but in light of recent Google updates, the reviews themselves are most likely coming from the third exactly. party sites. You just turned off the ability to do schema markup sort of on your own site because you know that's somewhat disingenuous. Of course, you think your product is the bee's knees, um, <laughs> but other people might not agree. Right. Uh, so it's not like we're optimizing the Yelp page and saying, hey, Yelp, can you put some schema markup on my page? Uh, so we're operating within each platform to improve the sentiment, and I think the knowledge panel, from my viewpoint, uh, is a better bet. In reality, okay. uh, I refuse to choose. Oh. You know, these days the landscape is complicated. I think right. if you can win the SEO game, uh, you'll rank well with beautiful, rich snippets, or you know, be leveraging the right search features uh, for hopefully what's a low in the funnel commercial query, and you'll make some money off of that. Great, but we all know that every online decision these days is backed up by some type of reputational information. Uh, and you can even blow those sure thing, low in the funnel purchases, if you aren't paying attention to your knowledge panel, SERP features everything. So, uh, you know, you rank really well for this non-branded product focused query. The guy comes to your site, it's exactly what he wants, he's about to click purchase, and then he goes, you know, let me open up another tab real quick and just look into this company if I'm not familiar with them. And then if it's everyone dumping on you and one star reviews, that's not going to go well for you. So uh, I think that schema markup is important, but your brand uh, presence is also very important. And, and this ties into something that I wanted to mention earlier. I didn't really have an opportunity, but 
something that Michelle alluded to last week was social media tracking. And from my experience, this is something that companies know they need to do. And it's sort of this standard part of the toolbox. But if you look at comparative volumes for how many people are talking about you on social media versus how many people search for your brand in Google using a tool like Keyword Planner, for instance, the volumes are either very similar or search can be even greater. I think that it's crazy to me and it's a huge black hole in the average company's you know, marketing and branding tool set that they aren't investing resources into tracking accurately what people are search, seeing in search uh, every day, different markets, things like that. So you know, you know when a crisis comes, yeah, you can get a very good you know, heartbeat for where things stand by looking on social media. But on the day-to-day, -day, when there's just sort of regular stuff going on, you need to know how you appear in search. You might not even know there's a problem until you happen to Google your name one day and you see you know, some negative piece of information at number seven. So I think reputation management is de generally viewed as this sort of crisis response tool, but I also think that there's tremendous value in viewing it as a more proactive brand building, brand monitoring, brand reputation tool. And of course, you can use Rain Granger to track your keywords for locations, multiple locations all around the globe. Shameless plug to end that off. And, and can I just agree with that? Um, because <laughs> My favorite guest again. I, I happen to be a past customer of Rank Ranger. I, before I got into reputation management, past. I was a, uh, a pure SEO uh, uh, advisor, consultant, whatever you want to call it. Um, and at that old company, Kahina. Uh, oh, Kahina, sure. sure. We know that. Uh, so I worked for them, and they used Rank Ranger. I personally found Rank Ranger to be the best ranking tracking tool out there. Um, and I'm not just saying that, again, this is personal experience. Every time there was some sort of report that our clients were asking for or something different that needed to be available within the platform, your team was amazing. So I guess to come full circle, the best way to have a good online reputation is to be awesome offline. Your support team is definitely helping your guys' reputation online. <laughs> they are awesome, by the way. And I have nothing to do with that. So that's totally on them. So big, big shout out to our customer service team, which, by the way, they really do rock. I'm not saying that like um, to, to plug Rank Ranger. I actually really like them and they do a really good job. All right, Ari, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. It was amazing and awesome. And we should keep, keep up with each other. As yeah, we do. for sure. Thanks and for go, having me. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. And we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. He is quite smart now. Yes. Yeah, yeah I yeah, guess so. Sure. Yeah, whatever you say, Morty. <laughs> yeah. He's smart. <laughs> Ari, if you're listening, no need to feel imposter syndrome. You should actually get out there and speak more about SEO. More often, I actually mean that. So thank you, Ari, for coming on. Um, programming note, programming note, dee 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 dee. We are recording this a few days earlier than we usually do for I, um, I'm speaking at DMI Expo in Tel Aviv next week and it kind of throws our, well, it's actually already passed by the time you're listening to this. That's a weird time warp, but it throws off our recording schedule. Anyway, bottom line is something came up with my professional life that threw, um, that threw out the, threw up, that threw out my, my recording schedule as it normally is. I don't know why I'm going on like this. We're recording this earlier than we usually do. God's sake, Morty, keep it simple. Thank you, Morty.
Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Which means that there may be news stories that we didn't cover here because it didn't happen yet. And that's impossible to do that because right. I don't have a time machine. But my children are actually working on one <laughs> on the back porch. Yeah. Anyway, with that, Sapir, will you do us anyway. the honor of yeah. hitting it with the news? <laughs> Morty, hey, Bert. do you remember yep. Bert? <laughs> Can't forget that. <laughs> well, Bert is not a <gasps> Google-specific property. Yeah, in fact, yeah, Bing says they've been using it as far back as actually put it in the people. news? Yeah. yeah, it's Bert, but it's Bert. Bing. Who cares? Yeah, we've had this. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh. It's like, it's like, you know, like the kid at school who's like, um, no, I'm cool, too. Uh, I, I watch wrestling. I watch wrestling. Oh yeah, we we we've using Bert for uh, way longer like than you, Google. We're so much better. <laughs> Someone's insecure and trying to overcompensate. I th- <sighs> oh oh wow. gosh. Okay, let's move on, Marty. Let's move on. Google was seen testing a Google ad that was in fact a tool to compare car rental prices. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Check out the link to the news story that covered it because it looks really interesting and that could be really a big deal if that keeps happening. Okay, moving on. A proficient digital study shows that image carousels are a major part of way more rich results showing on the SERP in 2019. Yeah, actually, if you, um, you can, we can't do it on our, on our SERP feature tracker because you only get 30 days data there. But if you ha- have a Ring Ranger account, you can use our insight graph to see SERP feature data over the last like three, four years. And you'll see mm-hmm. a huge jump in, in carousels on mobile. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good comments. Very insightful. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Google has added the ability to see how your reach results that use product markup are performing on the SERP. That's actually very cool. It is. And it's really easy to use. It's really easy to find. Again, look for the link to the story in our blog post. You'll see the copy of the report there. But in the overview section of your search console data, you'll you'll see it. Right. Okay, lastly, there are signs pointing towards Google possibly dropping its reservation partners and taking up the booking mental themselves. Ooh, that's Ooh. juicy. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, Mike Blumenthal found in his Google My Business account that, hey, Google had a thing there. I forgot exactly what it looked like, what it said, that seemed to indicate that Google was going to be the one or a potential option to use to reserve and not the reserving partners. Because the way Google... Um, reserve with Google works is that if you go to the local knowledge panel and you see, hey, book a table, there are software partners that you have to integrate in order for that to show up. So to say you don't need those partners anymore, you might need them any, you might not need them anymore. You can just do it with Google. So that's interesting, and that's that could be a big deal. And that could mean a whole new way of Google monetizing this thing, in my opinion. Okay. Thank you okay. for that, Sapir. If we <laughs> miss anything big, it's again because. Um, our recording schedule is earlier than it usually is, so right. Just sorry. Deal yeah. with it. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Movie. All right. Well, that lovely that lovely sentence brings us right to our fun SEO send off question. I'm a ball of joy this morning or this afternoon, whatever time it is today. Um, mm-hmm. Early afternoon, technically speaking. Yeah. So, before we part, we have a treat for you, and it is, of course, our fun. 
SEO send-off question. So I, this one comes from me, by the way. You yes. can blame me for this one. Yes. Yes, please blame Morty. Okay. <laughs> okay. So today we're asking, if Google caught its child stealing cookies from the cookie jar, what would it do to this child? Oh. <laughs> oh, because, wow. Yes, because if you heard our interview, we mentioned <laughs> kids stealing cookies, like my kids stealing cookies every morning, which I guess is, it's not stealing because I don't stop them because it's just easier <laughs> not to stop them. <laughs> from a good parent. Yeah, you want to do that? I, whatever, as long as I don't have to actually parent you. Go ahead. Um, you want to take it first? I should take sure. it first. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's just cookies. I feel like Google would be like the cool parent and, you know, just won't do anything. But oh, so I'm the cool parent. I don't do anything. I'm cool. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah, that's good. I don't I give up. Whatever. I would totally be the cool parent. Maybe you say that until 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 right. You say that until you are a parent. I'm gonna be great. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be super cool. Kids are gonna think I'm the coolest in the whole world. You'll see. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Come back to me in five years from now. We'll see. Okay, Mr. Dad. That's right. That's me. What Google would do? Um, I have all sorts of cliches for you. Google would um. Give it a manual action penalty, huh? huh? Google would take away all its <laughs> rankings for a week. Oh. Uh-huh. It would kick it out of its featured no, snippet. That's, that's too harsh. It's not like it's you know. Oh, oh! I didn't mention the Just cookies the were cookie. there were marrow there were there were, there were special brownies. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Which would make my kids more mellow. Oh. That's a bad idea. <laughs> So yeah, all sorts of cliches like that. Lose a ranking, lose a future snippet, manual penalties, whatever, whatever other SEO cliche you could think of. That's what I would do. That's what the kids. That's what Google would do. Because okay. I'm very original right now. I'm not not yeah. cynical at all. Right. Right. And and that'll do it for us today. The In Search SEO <laughs> podcast. Keep a lookout for an all new episode coming at you next Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in. It's been In Search because we're all in search of something. Thank you. Thank you.